0: We're doing it. All right. (laughs) The nerds return to a media genre close to both their hearts. Close enough, in fact, that it's worked its way into several other episodes. From soft horror to Star Wars, this podcast can't stop talking about animated shows, so this week centers around the series the nerds love the most. Eli's seen every episode of Phineas and Ferb at least three times, Cares watched more Gravity Falls in a single weekend than she'd care to admit, and both are total nerds. Bada bing, bada boom. Bada bing, bada boom. We did it efficiently this time, I guess. Maybe. So, oh, and the orange has gone away.
1: <laughs> just hey, like... the orange tint. The hell dimension. <laughs> I'm gonna move in like two seconds, and it's gonna come back. But for now, I'm like not.
0: Kara is temporarily space free from hell.
1: Yeah, uh, for people who are a little bit concerned, maybe uh, there's just a fun thing on Skype with my webcam where it looks like I am. Uh, I got just a big ol' orange filter over everything that I do, and right now it's gone away. Woo! Uh, it's now a little bit overexposed, so it looks like I'm in heaven instead, which is quite the
0: juxtaposition. You've ascended rapidly. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, we've gone off on a
0: tangent two minutes into the call. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's whoops, a minute and a uh, half into my recording, and it is time for the sing that... We actually did pretty well last week, from what I remember. So let's mm-hmm. see if we can keep that keep that energy. Um, three, two, two, one. Hey nerd! You know what? You can hope, right? <laughs> <laughs> we can pray. Uh. All right. My name is Eli, and my pronouns are they, them, and theirs.
1: My name is Care. My pronouns are she, her, hers.
0: And it's Hey Nerd, baby. It's episode seventeen, which is not an auspicious number, but feels like one. So
1: Seventeen Young (laughs) and Sweet, you are the dancing queen. (laughs) 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 Auspicious
0: indeed. This podcast is now the same number of episodes as years I have been alive, uh because Mm. I am a youngling comparatively, I guess, out of the two people on this podcast. (laughs) You're a baby sure that's how people would describe me um all right that's how people have described you no it's it's very weird it swings wildly between is baby and will kill you which i guess aren't mutually exclusive but like you would think it's one or the other
1: see that baby right there that baby's gonna murder you (laughs) that baby's gonna commit homicide
0: Probably what people said when they looked at Wednesday Adams as a child, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, that would make sense. Um, sorry, my brain had, like, a half-form joke about profiling, and then it was like, wait, no, wait, and it shut it down before it could become, like, a full thought. Um, but that's why I, like, I turned off for a second. Anyways, the Brendan question, if you will. <laughs> it has nothing to do with babies. does have to do... <laughs> how I said that is if many of our questions have had to do with babies in the past. Anyways, (laughs) he was adopted by ocelots. If you were one of Dr. Doofenshmirtz's naters, which would you be? (laughs) (laughs) The adopted
1: by ocelots thing was a total (laughs) non-sequitur.
0: Yes, I mean, that is kind of the mood of this podcast. It's just a bunch of non-sequiturs compiled in a trench coat trying to be a cohesive unit.
1: Okay, um, Okay, so I cheated a little bit about 3.30, and I was like, <laughs> I haven't seen Phineas and Ferb in approximately an age, and so I decided that I would just go on the Phineas and Ferb wiki and just scroll through the lists of Enators uh, until I found one that I liked. Um, and I was going to go with the Cajunator, because that was just a thing that opened Enclosed lobster cages that Dr. Doofenshmirtz got, because he thought it was an evil device, but it wasn't, and the description on the wiki was, because it wasn't anything evil, it didn't do anything evil, Um, which I thought was very cute. But now, just to spite you, I'm going to go with the Babuminator because that does have to do with babies, because that's the thing that he used <laughs> to, like, project his heartbeat and capture a bunch of babies, so he could make a baby army. So those babies technically could have been
0: homicidal if he had succeeded. Fair Uh, I don't remember the name off the top of my head. Oh, yeah, I do remember. Okay. So, (laughs) there's, um, Dr. Doofenshmirtz presumably has, like, some sort of doctorate, but he's not a very smart man. Um, and Mm. at one point in the show, he comes to the conclusion that, like, the reason why all of his innators fail is not because they are inherently flawed or because, you know, he's a man who fights a platypus and that's his job, and of course, like, you're not going to have a whole lot of success if, like, that's your career. Um, He comes to the conclusion that the reason his innators fail is because they all end with innator. So he comes up with the solution that if I just make it not an innator, then it's fine. So his answer Mm. is the video beam hijack non-innator, as if by putting non in front of the word innator, he can somehow alleviate his bad luck. Um, and that's just, like, there's such, there's just such, like, dumbass energy in that, but also, like, the the pure irony of being, like, I'm not gonna put the word inator in this, but instead I'm going to put non-inator, which still has the word innator, but it's not. And I'm like, yeah, I vibe with that. That's who I am as a person, is just putting the word not in front of something and being like, this is an answer to a problem. Mm.
1: I mean... To be fair, the logic does kind of work, because the only invention of his I can think of that doesn't end in a nader, that's kind of, like, stuck around and hasn't objectively failed is Norm, and he worked. He worked pretty good for, like, most
0: of the show, right? Did he break? Um, I- Norm, I think, worked- f- Norm actually, I believe, was meant to be some sort of, like, murder robot, uh, so he did not achieve his objective, but he was Norm, and he was a very good robot.
1: Yeah, so, like, maybe there's something to it. Maybe it's just making...
0: Maybe it is the innator thing. Like, he True. didn't self-destruct. True. Um, I, I feel like Norm does... Norm, Norm goes through some shit in that show, though. Like, he doesn't have mm. an easy time of it. I'm pretty sure he gets ripped apart at one point. Mm. Poor he Norm. He gets better. No, yeah, Norm, Norm was originally meant... Because d- either he was originally or he got turned into, like, a platypus-killing machine... And then that didn't work out, because Barry <laughs> the platypus survived. Uh, so Norm also did not achieve his intended purpose, but he didn't blow up, which was very good. hmm Good. Good.
1: <laughs> Weekly anecdotes is the part that comes next, yeah. so I just remembered.
0: <laughs> what, what did you
1: do this week, my friend? Um, I... Uh, submitted the last of my college apps. Woo! Uh, woohoo! So now, um, and I also forgot the lesson that I have to teach myself once every few months, which is, hey, just because you're on a break doesn't mean that you need to fill all of the time of that break with, uh, doing stuff before you get to relax. Uh, so I had to whittle down my to-do list a little bit, because I was like, oh, I'm not going to be able to apply for all the scholarships over a week. Oh, oops. Fair. Um. Yeah, so I'm like, I'm just gonna do the homework I was assigned to do and is expected of me to be done by the end of break, and then I'm gonna chill. Uh, Nice. So yeah, that was a fun that was a fun thing to relearn approximately 45 minutes ago (laughs) uh, when I realized that like half (laughs) half the things I wanted to get around to uh, were things with deadlines that are like either at the end of next week or like even the week after that. So I was like, you know what? I don't have to get all the homework done super early over the break. I'm just going to chill.
0: Nice. Uh, so, yeah. Um. Has anything happened to me at all in the last two weeks? No. Um, no. <laughs> I applied, for, uh, I turned in some financial aid paperwork, and that's kind of been, like, the most important thing that's happened. And that's super boring. Mm. gotta look at fucking tax returns and shit because fucking everybody wants to know how much money people make Um, (sighs) applying for colleges is fun because you think you're done and then they're like (laughs) you're stupid no you're never done until (laughs) everything's turned in and then they want information Um, but that's it Mm. Yeah, just kind of been watching a lot of critical role
1: (laughs) that's been my break so far Yeah, I've seen one Critical Role thing all the way through, and it was the Cinderbrush one-shot that they did, and that was consumed over, like, various half-hour increments over the course of, like, a school day, like, in between classes and during asynchronous time and stuff. Uh, But they seem nice. They seem like good people.
0: Yes, uh, I've been... So apparently, I've given up on the idea of watching Critical Role linearly, or even just watching all of it, and so I'm just picking and choosing like episodes that sound interesting um, <laughs> from the Vox Machina arc. So it's just like, I don't know the full story of anything that's going on, but it's like, oh, the rogue is stabbing people well? That's great. Good for him. <laughs> and that's kind of the <laughs> limit of my context for what's going on. That being Aww. said, I do love Vaxel Dan, it's like soft, small, angsty boy with knives is kind of like all of my characters and also who I desire to be as a person. Um, is baby and will kill you. So yeah, that's, that's a true, that's deep Eli lore. That's not even deep Eli lore. That's pretty apparent if you've talked to me ever, is that I like knives mm-hmm. and it's emo people because that's what I am.
1: I'm not a knife. Emo I feel person. like I should clarify
0: I'm not a knife. An emo person with a knife. Yeah. That's still one of my favorite things that has happened in your campaign, is when someone realized that I just had, like, a prop knife, and they were like, is that a knife? <laughs> and it was just, like, out of nowhere, in the middle of yeah, a fight you're scene. Yeah, you are just using
1: it to, like, open something or whatever, like, very casually, just
0: not even... Yeah. hmm It's my knife. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't know. Um... Oh yeah, SAT
1: scores also came out this past week for us, and so thoughts and prayers and good vibes
0: out to people who took the SAT and are a little bit worried about it, it's all good. It's all good. Also, you know, if you're a senior this year, you're living in the year of waived SAT scores, so, like, shit matters less than ever. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, so yeah.
1: Um, I don't know, what else? I feel like there was something...
0: We played Among Us with each other. That was fun. Hmm? We played Among Us in the last. Well, like, us and a bunch of friends played Among
1: Us. (laughs) (laughs) It was my first time ever playing, and I got imposter, and I was like, this is gonna end badly. This is not gonna end well for me. Because I tried to just, like, maybe if I just go around and sabotage things and not kill anyone, then that can be my plan, and that can be the thing that I do. That doesn't get me in trouble. But then I couldn't figure out how to sabotage things because I hadn't seen the tutorial before playing. <laughs> so I was like, wait, what buttons do I push? What the fuck? And like every time I tried to hit the sabotage button, it just brought up a map. And I was like, what the fuck is this map? What the fuck do I do with this map? What the shit? Like, It was me getting mad at maps all over again, which is a recurring theme in my life. <laughs> Didn't think it would jump from D&D to Among Us, but here we are. Uh, and then I ended up uh, killing someone because Eli's little dude walked away, I was like, cool, I'll kill this other little dude, and then I stabbed that dude right as Eli's dude walked back in, and then Eli was like, dude, did it! And I was like, yeah. I just didn't say anything. Cameron and Mike both stayed off. I was just like, I'm not digging myself any deeper into this hole. Like, it crossed my mind, like, I could accuse Eli,
0: but no, that's not gonna work. (laughs) I feel like, also, it was very funny because I think you killed someone who was also their first game ever. Like, it was both of you's first game Mm. ever. Um, And it was just, it was very, very funny to me because I I pulled, like, the most bullshit trick where I, like, just waited until Kara disappeared and I was like, okay, I'm going to follow her. Um, But it was very funny that, like, I also forgot how to report, so I was just kind of running around the room like, fuck, 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 <laughs> fuck, 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 and then I remembered how to do it. So there was a moment where I thought that, I forgot kill cooldowns existed, and so I was like, oh, Kara could just straight up murder me, and then I was like, wait, no, she can't kill cooldowns.
1: Yeah, I didn't even know that was a thing while that was happening to me, I was just running around like, ah, shit, I can't catch up to this person because the controls are all fucky. <laughs> So yeah, that was my first ever Among Us experience. Um, I was like, I'm so sorry to whoever else is the imposter because, oh damn, I really should have just like walked around and pretended to do tasks. But I also didn't know how to do that, so. <laughs>
0: uh, Yeah, I also got imposter the first time that I played and I was immediately voted off, so I feel you. It was not by mm. a good friend of mine, though. It was by someone I didn't know. Uh, or I knew mm. only vaguely, and so I th- I just thought it very funny that it was, like, it was, of course, it was you, me, and Piper who were involved in that, like, trio of people. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so that was fun. <laughs> I was like, oh, dear. Mm. Sometimes you just, you just, the ba- bad luck, li- I don't know, I don't know what I'm saying. Anyways, um, Mm-mm. do doing a backflip. Uh, what's a creative, thematically appropriate way? Um, frame by frame, doing a backflip, little smoke trails behind me to indicate movement. It's animation, baby! Woo! Woo! (laughs) I looked up the history of animation today, read two paragraphs out of a Wikipedia article, and decided... That's good enough, but I did learn that the advent of modern animation was in 1833, and that's the only piece of information I have retained. Um, So we Mm. know that.
1: Good! That's good.
0: Was that when the first flipbook was invented? No, it was when the, um... I think they're called, like, they were, like, spiroscopes, where you have, like, a kind of almost mandala-looking, like, design, and it's just, like, Mm frame-by-frame animation. Um, But that's kind of, that's when it came about, I guess nice good to know
1: um i guess i'm trying to think of like personal history with animation i mean fucking if we're going all the way back i
0: suppose wonder pets was that the one where it was like kind of if i'm further away from the mic i'm sorry i'm getting my knife out um (laughs) was that the one where it was like kind of half animated but it was also like they took real pictures and then animated them uh yeah, I think so. Okay. I
1: don't know, it was just the Wonder Pets. Um I don't know. I remember liking those. I'm trying to think of other shows. Oswald was a big one that I liked. I remember when I was really really little. It was for like 3-year-olds. Um What's Oswald? But yeah, that one That was about I think an octopus dude and his friends and they just kind of went around having adventures. Mm. Um I don't know. I just I really I I was half convinced that I dreamed it, and then I looked up, like, little kids' shows on, like, I think we watched mainly Nick Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that popped up, and I was like, oh, damn! Like, that's on there! Um, also vaguely remember Wow, Wow, Wubsy, uh, which is, fun fact, I think the main character is voiced by Grey Jalil Griffin, who also voices Azula, so that's a fucking contrast. Um, voice actors really are versatile. Um, I don't know, I'm trying to rattle off there's this weird Nick Jr. thing, like between shows, with like a moose and a bluebird, and I don't know what that was about, but that was a thing. Um, mm. And yeah, also the Berenstein Bears when those were around. Um, I don't know. I'm just trying to rattle off things I remember vaguely from my childhood. I don't know what. What do you think your first experiences with animated television? Why are you pushing up your glasses with your knife? Why is that a thing that you need to do?
0: Is not, that the reason you got the knife? No. I mean, it's not sharpened. It's like, you could cut a letter opener with it. it. It could serve as a letter opener. So it's not like, I mean, obviously I wouldn't put it near my eye if I did not have glasses between the two, but mm. I'm not going to injure myself. Um, So I think that the only sh- channel I was really allowed to watch as a very small child was PBS, because, mm. you know. Love that. Sprout. Hell yes. Yeah. Um, but I don't really remember many animated shows. I know I watched, like, I don't know if it was fully animated, but, like, The Library Lions, which was, a like, I think <gasps> a partially animated show. Yeah! I think so, yeah. I remember that. We had some of their, like, CDs. Yeah, and then, uh, the Cliff, Cl- there was, like, a Clifford show that I watched that was yeah! on NPR. <laughs> not NPR. PBS, uh, who owns NPR, but it's not the same thing. Um, but yeah, I just watched a lot of, like, educational animated shows. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was kind of what I watched for a while. Uh, Because my parents didn't want me watching Disney. They didn't want me watching Nickelodeon or like whatever Mm. channel. um, Like My Little Pony and the Littlest Pet Shop. The Hub. Hub, Yeah, I couldn't watch that either. It's part of the reason why I I never watched My Little Pony. Something that came up in the last, um, like last Friday, I think.
1: Yeah, last Friday. We had a. uh a meeting for our senior show that was ostensibly about our senior show and then devolved into a discussion <laughs> about My Little Pony Tee Floor, um, which... I think we were maybe a little more harshly judged for than we should have been, because we were all, like, in the age range when that show was coming out to like that show and have it not be a creepy thing.
0: Well, it wasn't the- it was- it was more of the- the judgment was, why is this specific scene what you remember? Because it was a very creepy, like- Anisa the only thing Anissa- That's from the why show. we remembered it, probably. But it was- I was- yeah, I don't know about Piper, I wasn't judging, I was just very confused because I had no idea what was going on.
1: I had the barest idea of what was going on in that scene, to be honest. But it was, like, yeah, it was a changeling thing for My Little Pony. That thing was kind of creepy as shit. Um, but, yeah, no, I get what you're... I, yeah, so not allowed to watch a lot of channels yeah. as a child. Go
0: on. <laughs> so I just, like, I watched kind of PBS, and that was it. I mean, mm. I watched, like... There used to be this like Winnie the Pooh show that's not like the new mm-hmm. one with the three D animation, but there was like one before that, and it may have either been like a show or some sort of like series of specials. Uh, I watched that, which is something that we discussed in I think the um, the animated movies episode also. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, God, gotta love that Eeyore uh, again. Whoa. Character who's very similar to me, um, but yeah, that I then I started watching animation like when you know. I started getting left alone at home while parents were off doing things or I would just like be by myself for times uh and I would that's when I started watching like other shows. But when I was very little I was just watching uh, PBS, PPS and that was kind of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to remember I don't know if it was animated, but there were definitely like there was this one show with a bear and like a star puppet. And that was like on at nighttime or something. And it was anyway. Um I'm there was like a yeah. I think it was partly to help teach kids Spanish? Um, but yeah, no, that, I also vibe with that. Um, we, I think we have a bunch of DVDs of, like, old Winnie the Pooh movies, so that may be the same thing that you're talking about. Maybe. I don't know.
0: I, I straight I don't up don't what, remember.
1: I don't know in what context they aired, but we did have a bunch of DVDs of, like, uh, Winnie the Pooh movies that I think were probably not all theatrical releases.
0: Um... <laughs> Probably very few of them were theatrical releases.
1: Probably, probably. Um, let's see. I mean, there was, like, you know, the typical Disney movie stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Et cetera, et cetera. Uh, But those were movies and not shows, as as we have already discussed. Um, hmm, I I had a thought, and then it left. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, dear. Boomerang! That's what I was going to talk about. Boomerang and Cartoon Network and all of that stuff was also stuff that my brother and I watched. We weren't technically super allowed to watch it, but, you know, as I've mentioned, my brother was good at figuring out pins and Mm -hmm. passwords to parental control stuff. Nice. Um, And also we just had, like, older parents, and so, like, those were the shows that more often than not they grew up watching or, like, would get us um, a little bit of praise from adults who had also grown up watching it, like... I don't know. We watched some of the Jetsons, uh, mm-hmm. the Flintstones, um, all of those kind of like classic animated shows. I don't think we ever watched He-Man, though. I don't think that was a thing. We watched a little bit of Powerpuff Girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a bunch of stuff on Cartoon Network, like uh, Johnny Test, uh, Dexter's Lab. Yeah, just a bunch of those like typical kind of just very high octane, uh, high energy, like kids shows that were just kind of like, if it was on, we would watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if we would like necessarily like seek it out it was just kind of taken for granted like something's gonna be there and we're gonna have a time mm-hmm. um so yeah uh i think the like first show that i really remember liking was um teen titans like the original series i don't remember a whole lot from that but i do remember like really mm-hmm. wanting to watch it whenever it came on it was
0: good tv yeah i still go back and rewatch the epi the first episode with f- fuck what's his name Guy with, like, the half-orange mask, and he's really creepy, and he, like, fucks with Robin. What's his name? Oh, God. Slade? Yeah. Slade Wilson. But, like, uh, I'll remember- I'm gonna remember his, like, actual, his super- not super- his anti-hero name about halfway through this episode, and then I'll say it all of a sudden. I could just internet- (laughs) internet it. it, Google (laughs) it. Internet it. No, make it more broad. Yeah. Google
1: doesn't need the free fucking advertising. Deathstroke.
0: That's why, I, I, all I could think of was Deadpool, and I knew it wasn't Deadpool, but it's similar, it's Deathstroke. That- I thought it was
1: Death Mask, so there's that.
0: Death <laughs> Mask, <laughs> bum, bum bum Um, But I still go back and rewatch that episode, it, it creeps me the fuck out. Uh, but it's, mm. yes, that's a good show. Yeah.
1: There's also that one episode of Batman, the animated series, um, with... The kid who makes all the adults go away, and then he has to, like, he basically creates, like, a medieval kingdom or something through, like, some power bullshit, uh, and then it's like, oh, shit, running a kingdom and also parenting takes a lot more work than I anticipated, and I am, like, 13! Uh, whoops! Um, there's that episode. Yeah, I remember some of Batman the Animated Series, and also the future Batman, one mm-hmm. that's set in, like, the 2050s or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember some of that and, like, some of the designs for that being super cool. In um, general, you just, like, good shows. Uh, so, yeah, just some superhero stuff in general. Uh, I think Johnny Bravo, and then there was also the other one that was like, the really old-fashioned 80s one. with like, the kid with the turban, for some reason. Uh, hold on.
0: Mm-hmm I do not know.
1: (sighs) I do not know either, but I will see what shows are on Boomerang. No, not, like, the weapon. Wikipedia, that's not what I want. (laughs) Boomerang Network, thank you. TV Network. (laughs) Yeah, and of course that was also how we got a lot of uh, Scooby-Doo stuff, because that was like, Mm
0: -hmm. the,
1: the older, it was all the older things, basically. Yeah, Tom and Jerry, Looney Tunes, the Smurfs. And various entries in the Scooby-Doo franchise have more or less had permanent places on the schedule since the rebrand. Um, oh, but they've moved the Flintstones and the Jetsons to late night. Um, so yeah, it was just like, basically, stuff that people get nostalgic for lives on Boomerang. Because uh, it's all coming back to you, as they say in all of the skits throughout the thing. <laughs> nice. Yep. Where's But where's the list of shows that they have? But what do...
0: What do they got? I will <laughs> say, well, you're trying to figure that out. I will say, for animated superhero shows, Uh, I the first time I ever really watched one was my first year at Duke Tip when my roommate and I watched, I think, the entirety of the Justice League animated series in about a week, um, which was very impressive considering the fact that we could only really watch it after curfew. And so mm. together, the two of us from, like, you know, 10 p.m. to 11 to 1 a.m. every night, we're just watching Justice League, which is an experience. Mm. Um, Ooh. If you take a show that was, like, released over about three years and condense it down to a week, uh, it is certainly something. Um, but it's very fun. I, th- I remember it being a pretty good show. I can't watch it anymore because now all the DC stuff's on, like, their fucking pay-us-money-fuck-you mm. uh, streaming service. That's not what it's called, but, um, yeah, it it was good. I, I remember that the designs were pretty good and that the Joker was, he was creepy as always, but he had a really good, oh, I do remember there was this one episode where it had, like, the aces and, and it, like, it had, like, people based off playing cards and it talked about, like, you know, a pretty honest conversation about child abuse and manipulation that was very serious and very well handled for, a superhero show in which you know there's a guy who can just turn himself into magma and he causes problems on purpose um but that show got into some like pretty heavy shit um and so it was very it was very impressive and i enjoyed it quite a lot
1: yeah i could not for the life of me figure out where the thing that i just mentioned was i know that it was it was always like in one of the skits uh throughout the like between shows and kind of like mm-hmm. alongside commercials, but I cannot for the life of me figure out what was going on with that show. I can't find the name of it. Um, but yeah, a lot of this is taking me back. Uh, The Secret Saturdays was another show that I remember liking, and it was about cryptozoologists um, looking at cryptids and stuff. Uh, and it was, uh, do, 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 when did it run from? Because it was pretty modern for like the stuff we were watching, it was from 08 to 2010. Um, so, yeah, fairly, fairly, fairly recent. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's about the family called The Saturdays, and they zoom around, uh, kind of going around, uh, and hunting cryptids, and, or studying Mm -hmm. protecting cryptids, uh, and avoiding the threats, and they have an airship going on, which is great. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and let's see, what else, what else do they have? They had Ben 10 and Johnny Quest, uh... Teen Titans, and yeah, just again, just a lot of like nostalgic stuff uh, in general. I should totally go like see what's on today if it's on anything. Oh, they're on a bunch of Hulu stuff, so that may be something I do tonight because it's also where I've been watching most recently. Gravity Falls a whole bunch.
0: Nice. Because
1: uh, I never watched the series all the way through. Mm-hmm. Like I'd seen a bunch of episodes, and I kind of mm-hmm. knew how it ends. I kind of know how it ends. I haven't seen through to the end yet. Um. Mm-hmm. And I know it was like there was an energy and stuff that people were really excited about. And I remember really liking the show. I just don't think I ever sat down and was like, yes, in chronological order. I think I just always yes. caught like reruns or something. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's what I've been doing this week. And nice. it's a lot shorter than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought it would be a-, a bunch of seasons, but no, it's just two 20 episode seasons apiece. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm just working through that. I'm almost... I think I'm, like, a quarter of the way through season two at this point. So, you know, it's good. And I like that they keep kind of a bunch of the background characters and stuff relatively consistent throughout the town, because it's like, oh, even if these people don't maybe get names, they do, like, exist within the canon, and, like, they're recurring in their own little way in the background, which is, Mm -hmm. I think, very nice.
0: Yes. I I think that... I don't know if I've, like, deliberately watched Gravity Falls in order, but I think I've seen all of it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think I've seen all of it kind of in... Oh, I remember what it was, is that they did, like, a thing where they re-ran most of the, ep- or they re-ran all of the episodes kind of back-to-back um, in the preparation for the finale, and I just happened to, like, not have anything to do <laughs> that weekend, I guess, uh, so I watched kind of, watched it through for that, um, but yeah, I it's, I, I mean, I've talked about my love for Gravity Falls. It's a really good show, uh, mm-hmm. and I agree. I think that it does a really good job of, like, And the same way that a lot of sitcoms keep like a cast on like an ensemble cast that shows up occasionally, um, they do a really good job kind of simulating that in Gravity Falls by like, as you were saying, making sure certain background characters, you know, show up and get their own little arcs. Like, wasn't there, there's one of the guys, like, his name's Toby and he was the mayor and then he became like a news reporter. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so they have like these little arcs that just kind of happen off screen, but you can like mark the progression Mm -hmm. uh, and it's very fun. It's just a good time. It's a good time and a fun show. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Uh, And you can really tell when those background characters are showing up again when you're watching all the episodes very close together (laughs) um, over an extended period of time. I'm like, yeah, I just saw that guy, like, two hours ago. Great.
0: He's back, (laughs) Um, baby.
1: He's back! Uh, Which is is very fun. Um, And, yeah, I like it, it, it. I can definitely tell that it was written by someone who genuinely does have, like, a sibling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and understands how those interact. Um, and, yeah, it's a very good show. I like it. Um, and, you know, I'm going to finish it oh, one of these days pretty soon, probably. Um, that may be
0: my, like, Thanksgiving project. Uh, <laughs> nice. Well, yeah. it, I don't know. I won't say anything about the ending, but it's, it's good. It's a good ending. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, what I have I think to say. It-
1: yeah, the ending was something that I think I I know about, but it's just like it's been so long I forgot.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I done forgot. I done um, I done slipped my mind.
1: Yep. Oh my uh, but yeah, it's like really well done, and the way things are s- set up, like you can tell, like oh, this is Alex Hirsch put a lot of time and effort into this, um, and obviously a lot of other people as well. But it was like very much a lot of effort went into this with all the like ciphers and stuff, the like mm-hmm. end credits and the like backward whispering at the end of the theme song, and all this stuff that made for, um, I think, ultimately a really fun ARG. Uh, and yeah, I appreciate it, even if I'm too lazy to look up what the ciphers mean. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, you can you can read the effort, kind of, with a passing glance. Yeah, um, I'm
1: like, that's for sure important, and I'm sure someone cracked the code, but it's been solved for a few years now, so.
0: Someone else figured it out, and if I so wish, I can Google it, and it'll be mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good show. Um, I don't know why I said no. Maybe that's just a vocal tick. Uh, I suppose if we're talking about the shows that have come up, uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit. Um, but man, do I love Phineas and Ferb! It remains my favorite show of all time, <laughs> ever that ever existed, ever. Um, a, oh wait, it's within striking distance. I have a Perry that I'm not gonna mess with that, but I have a peri- the parry that. Did you assist. say within striking distance? Well, okay. I realize that I'm holding a knife. Um, but I meant more like I can reach my hand out without having to move around a whole bunch. But there's also a tower of things that I don't want to offset. Um, but I have like a pair of the Platypus plushie. Uh, that's just been in my life for a while. Um, but I think Phineas and Ferb. I don't know. It's one of the few shows that manages to take a strict formula and keep it interesting. Like, because a yeah. lot of shows you like. One, they try to hide the fact that it's a formula, where Phineas and Ferb is, like, very clear, like, this is a formula, and we're going to make jokes about the fact that it's a formula, and a lot of the humor derives itself from the formula. Um, But it also takes that formula and manages to keep it interesting for, like, a shit ton of episodes. I think, like, straight over a 100 episodes, at least. Um, And it's just, it's very fun. Um, And I think that also, like, you know, I think it's good for a lot of kids, but especially, like, it came out, right when I was at the right age for it and as a STEM-minded kid who used to be really into engineering and to a certain extent I'm still into engineering and I'm also getting more and more into computer science um having a show that's centered so heavily around innovation on the part of both like the protagonists and also the supposed antagonist who's like off creating his own shit that's just absolutely Mm -hmm. um wild uh is very fun and really like you know validated that interest that I had in, like, math and in engineering. Uh, cause it's just like you see two kids and they can do whatever they want and that's very fun. Um, mm-hmm. and I enjoy that a lot.
1: Yeah. Um, looking back now, I'm like, how the fuck did they pay for all of this? <laughs> <laughs> There's a shit ton of construction materials! What the fuck? They're like, aren't you too young to do this? And they're like, yeah, we are. I'm like, so did they just give you shit for free because <laughs> you're children? <laughs> Like it's a show that does not lend itself to asking too many questions, and I know that. Mm-hmm. And it's like just relax and have fun with it. But I'm also like, but where's the fucking budget coming from? What did you do to get all this? <laughs> like they have a working relationship with most of the construction workers around Danville, um, and it's very funny.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but yeah, I also love that show, because um, it like it makes the formula not stale as you said, by leaning into the formula and also by kind of exploiting the fact that within a formula there is so much fun to play around. Like, Mm -hmm. once you have a certain, like, set of things that you know you're going to do and you have, like, a framework that you know you can build around, you can build some really fun stuff around that framework. Um, And I think, like... It did have that structure, but uh, something I really valued as a kid that I took away was it put a lot of emphasis on imagination and just, like, the general power of creativity and stuff, Mm -hmm. um, which I really appreciated as someone who is more creatively minded, of, like, having that kind of be an explicit focus of, like, hey, look at all the stuff imagination can do and, like, creativity can do. Like, fucking wow! Mm -hmm. Um, Musical numbers. Also a bop. I have... Uh, I have and will continue to uh, unironically dance to most of the songs on the Phineas and Ferb album. Fucking Absolutely absolute fair. bangers, just so good, all of them, very good. Ah.
0: And I think also something that the show does really well is that it like it introduces like just concepts that ex- like I think of when they explained reverse engineering as like a thing, and they just like put it in, and they were like, "This is what reverse engineering is," and so it's like you get taught things in a way that doesn't feel like you're being lectured at, but it's just like, yeah, you need to know what reverse engineering is for the sake of this joke, so we're going to tell you what reverse engineering is, uh, and then we're going to sing a song about it. Because hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Um, which is just very fun. And then also, of course, like, you know, there's a man in a lab coat who fights a platypus, and...
1: What's not to like?
0: What? How can you not enjoy that? Um, unless you, for some reason, hate either lab coats or platypuses, um, which is in, like, you know, I guess that's your prerogative, but kind of a weird thing to dislike.
1: It's, yeah, it's a show that makes, I think, like, I don't know, like, it's a show that I'm like, yeah, I can watch this with my dad and he will not make fun of me for watching it because it's a genuinely, like, funny show that has good points to make. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, it's a good, it's a good feel-good show, um, about a bunch of stuff. And I also like that even though um Candace is, like... uh What is her role, even? Just, just so tired, I think, is just Candace's thing. <laughs> like, she tries to thwart them all the time, but also, like, at least for me, she still remained a likable character, because, uh number one, I know what it's like to have a sibling get away with shit and, like, mm-hmm. have a parent be like, nah, it's fine, and just be like, ah! Um, but also it's, like... Phineas and Ferb are never coming from a malicious place when they do this stuff, and so it's, like, hard to see it as, like, an antagonistic relationship. It's just like, I don't know, they still made Candace sympathetic in a lot of ways, which I appreciate. Like, they didn't just make her, like, uh, she's the wet blanket and she's here to, like, ruin the fun. It's like, no, she's genuinely probably got some issues with, like, letting herself have fun and, like, chill out and just enjoy what's going on. Um... But, like, you know, she's not a bad person, and neither are her brothers. Like, it's not, like, the family unit as a whole is still, like, relatively cohesive. um, Even if poor Candace goes through some shit.
0: She really gets the short of no stick in a lot of episodes. Mm. Um, But I think also, like, part of the thing that keeps her as a sympathetic character is that, like, you know... At the end of the episode, she kind of, she never is, like, bitter about the fact. Like, you see her get frustrated and get angry, but she's never, like, bitter or outwardly, like, hateful to her brothers, which keeps, like, the right energy in the show. Because mm-hmm. I feel like, in a lot of even children's media, when you have that kind of relationship, you end up inevitably... To progress, like, a larger storyline, you have to make one of them take a more extreme emotional stance. Um... But because Phineas and Ferb was kind of not a show that, like, had storylines branching across multiple episodes, um, they never had to, like, elevate in that way, which I think keeps all of the cast really nice and just fun. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and also- Oh also- yeah, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> um, also I just like the approach they took to, like, different family types and stuff. Like, I remember there's this one joke where, um- we're introduced to Doofenshmirtz's daughter, Vanessa, for the first time, and it's like, oh, he doesn't, like, I think she has, like, half custody with her or something, like, she only sees him some of the time because, yeah, like, yeah, he and uh, Vanessa's mom are divorced, uh, and Vanessa's, like, talking to her mom, like, mom, he's evil, he's an evil scientist, and her mom's like, no, honey, he's not evil, we just wanted different things in life, it's okay, <laughs> and, like, uh, unfortunately, in that instance, Vanessa is right, um, but I also appreciate that they're like, no, this is just, they're like, and, like, the main characters are also, like, part of a blended family. Like, uh Ferb and his dad are, like, from England and came over and, like, joined up with um Phineas and Candace and their mom. Uh, and that's, like, it doesn't affect, like, how they interact with each other or anything. It's just, like, yeah, this is a blended family and that's, you know, that's all groovy. Also, Isabella is, I believe, of mexican jewish heritage which is just mm-hmm. like a thing i appreciate i'm just like yeah hell yeah diversity
0: yeah i yes it's a i mean i think also like you know they do a lot of just making sure that like nothing none of the jokes are ever at anyone's expense in that mm-hmm. show which i think is very good because like you know except, if do feeding, yeah, except for versus. but even then it's like it's not him i mean it is him as a person but it's it's never something where it's like a joke that targets a group of people it's a joke that targets a man who was raised by ocelots um which is canon to his story also you know like he's kind of your quintessential just like person with a depressing life um but i think the fact that like you know he's never meant to No no one is ever being targeted in, like, a semi-malicious way, in a way that, like, even kids media does, um, which is very good about the humor in that show. Mm Because a lot of it is very, like, it's situational humor, or it's humor based off of, like, what people are doing and not who people are,
1: Mm -hmm. um,
0: which is is good and nice to to see and to watch.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's nice. And even, like, within Newfoundland's stuff, he's not a wholly... Like, he's also, like, they make everyone in that show pretty much sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Um Because, like, Doofenshmirtz is this way. They go into it every single episode. He has a tragic backstory for basically everything. Like, he has a reason for doing what he's doing. Uh, and he also, like, he and Perry, his and Perry's relationship is just very, it's kind of cute to watch. Because um, mm-hmm. towards the end, especially, they're like, oh, they're nemes- nemeses. And that's something that they both need. Um, And I think especially different Schmertz needs, because in many ways, Perry is also... Perry is his nemesis, but
0: also his friend. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Perry is the person who pulls him back from the edge of, Mm -hmm. like, whatever cliff he may be on, as they talk about. Kind of especially in the flash-forward episode... Where, like, Doofenshmirtz induces a midlife crisis and Perry just kind of follows him around to make sure that he doesn't die. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not necessarily, like, nemesis behavior, but it is this kind of, like, you see them get to a point where it's like, yeah, they're they're fighting each other, but they're fighting in a way that's more playful than, like, actually trying to end whatever weird dynamic they have.
1: Yeah, it's like, oh, but we're actually buds now, and, like, I don't want to actually, actually hurt you, I just want to capture you. Which may just be, like, kids' show byproduct, but I appreciate. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know, Doofenshmirtz is... What a guy. What a guy.
0: What a guy. Named his evil organization Love Muffin, um... Which I think I remember the... Okay, what is it? Well... League of Villainous Evildoers is Maniacally United for Frightening Investments and Naughtiness.
1: Somehow love muffin. It's, somehow it's even more adorable with like the full acronym. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they worked hard for that
0: joke. They they worked real hard.
1: <laughs> and I love them for it. uh, it's so good. Um, yeah, no, it's just I love I love that show so much. It's a smart show uh, uh-huh. and a good show, and I don't know. I like that it is. A piece of kids' media that does not treat children, like, uh, less than just because they're children. It's like, nah, you Mm -hmm. don't know as much stuff, but that's okay. Um, here, here's what an aglet is. You're gonna remember this for the rest of your life, because we're gonna do a song about it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we are part of the generation where everyone knows what an aglet is, because that song was everywhere for a while, Mm. um, which is very fun.
1: Yeah. Oh, let's see. Hmm. Hmm. What other shows, what other shows did we watch that we like?
0: hmm, <laughs> hmm. hmm. <laughs> <laughs> ah um I mean, I don't know if I liked it, and I don't know how long I want to talk about it, but I will say, um that I watched Voltron. I watched all of it. I didn't watch it all kinda as it was coming out. I jumped back and forth on that, um, oh boy. <laughs> It, it it's a show. It's definitely a show. Um and I don't know, I feel like it's you know like how some shows like independently like sure they're flawed, but it's fine. But then like the fan base is so like fucking up in arms about everything that like eventually kinda even the show seems bad because like the culture around it mm-hmm. is kinda toxic. Yeah, that that's what happened with Voltron. I think oh, like no. it just it got it got really popular really fast and that ultimately hurt the show because it was i think that they were trying to juggle like suddenly having a much bigger fan base than like netflix shows normally get i think um and so like yeah they didn't make always the best decisions but they were also being held to like a fucking really high standard um because you know just i feel like they kind of like, I don't want to defend the decisions that the show made, because, like, obviously a lot of it was kind of fucked, and they did do some shit that was, like, that's kind of unacceptable and also really queer queerbaiting, um, especially what happened with uh, Shiro and Adam. Um, but also, For like... For
1: someone who's never seen Voltron say, what
0: the <laughs> fuck? So, okay. So, in, I think, the seventh season? The second to last season... Um, it's revealed that, like, or not in the seventh, in that season, but at some point it's revealed that Shiro, like, one of the main characters, who kind of has, like, a really fucked up thing happen to him, um, just, like, several very fucked up things happen to him, um, he is revealed to have a fiancé named Adam back on Earth, um, Mm -hmm. or a person who was his fiancé, but then they split due to... Like, a, like fighting before Shiro left on the mission oh, to, no. um like, a moon base. Or not a moon base. One of the moons of Jupiter. um They were fighting because Shiro had, like, a disease that was actively hurting him. And Adam pointed out, like, hey, if you go on this mission, that severely limits the amount of time you have left and the amount of time we have together. But Shiro was like, no, I want to do this. Different wishes. They broke up. Um... But they kind of reference this fact and they did a lot of advertising with like Shiro and Adam together and like talking about their relationship and how that was going to be a big thing in like the seventh season. And then like in the first five minutes of the seventh season, they kill Adam off and he doesn't show up at all. Um, and there's like ne- you never see their relationship really on screen except for in flashbacks, and so there was like a little bit of queer baiting of like they seemed like they were going to put a lot of emphasis on this relationship in the seventh mm. season, and then they just killed one of them and they never really talked about it. Bury um, your
1: gaze. bring out. So your yeah, gaze. that
0: was not okay, and I oh, will say no. like I was upset when that happened, but also like you know people were kind of really shitty to a lot of the showrunners and were really mm. shitty about the whole Clance thing. Mm. And so, like, as much as it is a flawed show and it's not perfect, it's also, like, they were being held to a standard that was really hard to reach, and they were also being treated, like, pretty much like garbage. Um mm. For a lot of shit that wasn't... Especially, like, the animators and, like, the lower-level people just within the production that absolutely wasn't their fault for, like, mm. what the higher-ups were deciding to do. Uh, so, yeah, that's my feelings on Voltron. Oof. There's some funny things, but also, like, just... It's, it's like, a... It got really toxic for a while, and I stopped watching. Um, just kind of... I waited until it was over to watch the seventh and eighth seasons because I didn't want to be in the middle of that fu- fucking fucked shit Mm. um but yeah and now people are still mad about it and it's like damn dude it's been two years surely you can transfer your anger elsewhere Mm. like at some point it just becomes unproductive to continue to be mad at the show um Mm -hmm. or to be actively mad at it i think it's just like no one's benefiting from this anymore and that's that's kind of my ultimate opinion on voltron is like if you want to dislike it that's fine but like actively being angry at it is just like it's not her- it's hurting you and it's not really benefiting anyone. Mm. Um so maybe maybe we can all just let let that let sleeping dogs lie. Uh which is an expression that I said ro- I said a more gruesome version of for a really long time until someone was like that's not what that is. Did um, you say
1: dead dogs die?
0: Yeah, I did and they were mm. like no, stop it. <laughs> it's really gruesome and I was like okay. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, I
1: mean, kind of jumping off that of, like, Netflix shows that are animated, uh, mm-hmm. something that I watched and I have had a generally more positive experience with has been she Um mm-hmm. Though I guess kind of catapulting... We're gonna... I'm gonna hold that for a second and then go back to the one the show that I watched kind of before that that was, like... We're just going to talk about shows that I like that have queer representation in it because, just as a palate cleanser after the Voltron thing, so Steven mm-hmm. Universe is a show that exists and that I like and have not yes. seen all of, but that I like. Um, yeah, I've seen what what was available on Hulu, like, two years ago, so this is not going to mm-hmm. be perfect. But, um, number one, having a showrunner who is, like, out as non-binary uh, is very good, and then having, um... Like the basically most of the main cast, uh, be like these are aliens, and as such, d- they're going to go by she/her. But they're they don't have gender. That's not a thing that they have, so they're just going by that, uh, to be convenient. And then all of those people, because it's a race that's technically of all like non-binary women, uh, all of them are dating each other, and so it's a bunch of good non-binary representation. Also, a bunch of good sapphic representation, and they have I think the first, uh, gay wedding on a kids show. Uh, between two of the characters, and it's very nice. Uh, and, like, one of the characters is literally the embodiment of a sapphic relationship. It's so good. Um, and I like it a lot. And the main character of the show is Steven. Um, and he's, uh, like, he's a boy, but also, like, it's not a typical, like, oh, this is a show made for boys, or oh, this is a show made for girls. It's like, this is a show made for children mm-hmm. uh, who all deserve to see themselves represented. Um and scene, and so Stephen, like, goes through a bunch of hard stuff and learns a bunch of hard lessons, uh, but he's really in touch with his feelings, and he's really in touch with his feminine side, on account of being raised by a bunch of space alien ladies from a different planet, uh, <laughs> and also his dad's pretty sensitive, too. Um, his dad lives in a van, uh, and is an ex rock star with a hella deep, like, tan line, which is also- Hell yeah. It's an, hell yeah. Uh... And it's great, and they also have a bunch of fun songs, and it's just a good show about like getting in touch with feelings, and like those being okay, um, and yeah, just like helping out friends, and learning when to accept help, and like you know not facing problems on your own, uh, and a bunch of generally good lessons. Um, again, I haven't seen a whole bunch of it; I've seen a lot of the early seasons, mm-hmm. um, but from what I saw, I really liked. It's just a matter of me needing to catch up on the rest of that stuff. And it's also just a lot of good world building. I just like it when people are like, "Here's a whole universe that we made. And here's all the stuff that happened." And I'm like, "Hell
0: yes! Here it is. Hell yes! Gimme, gimme!" Um, I will say, Steven Universe for me actually was the first time I ever saw a character who used they/them pronouns. Um, just like in media ever. Uh, because I think is one of like the first, you know animated cartoon characters of this era who uses they them pronouns um and though they are not a super regular character on the show uh they are there and i thought that that was super cool and that was just something that happened that was like cool about steven universe uh yes. so that's my that's kind of my history with it is that this first time i saw my pronouns just like in a, in a place that yeah. wasn't m- me or like another person i knew <laughs>
1: Yeah, it wasn't like a, It was an animated thing, and not like a. It's yeah. an animated
0: place, not a. Not it a, was not like a place on place. on the TV, not like just in person. As but like all non binaries flock together, that's not. True. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, we're
1: together at the council meeting. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we have a we have our bi bi annual um, council of every non binary in the United States. Uh, it's very cha- chaotic, uh, as you can probably imagine. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, that's very good.
1: Uh, so yeah, that's like my two cents on Steven Universe. I really like a bunch of the songs. Um, I kind of watched Adventure Time. It wasn't like a regular thing for me, mm-hmm. but same. Surprise to no one that Marceline was sapphic We love to see it. Um, all vampires are lesbians. Uh, <clears> what can I say? Not All wrong. vampires, all female vampires are lesbians. Um you know, we love to see it, uh, and we love to see that kind of stuff, um, and then, I guess, I'm gonna circle back around to She-Ra, because that is also, um, a show with the character who uses they, them pronouns, uh, mm-hmm. and the showrunner also recent, or, like, the main creator, uh, Noel Stevenson, uh, relatively recent, like, I think beginning of quarantine-ish, uh, came out as non-binary and, like, pronoun ambivalent, so it's kind of like any pronouns, um, which is super cool. So it's, like, this other really popular uh, kids' show that has a bunch of, like, queer romance and stuff in it that's also run by a non-binary person. So, like, the future is queer, y'all! Um, we love to see it. Uh, and she is also very good. Again, I love the world-building. Uh, I love the fact that they took something that was essentially a commercial for an 80s toy line and were like, no, but we're gonna make... Make
0: this be- better and good now. Um, <laughs> but what if it were actually quality? What if that yeah. was a thing that happened?
1: And like, I remember first hearing about it when it was like starting to come out, and uh, basically they like released they like released kind of the images for what the characters would look like, and a bunch of people were upset because you mean Adora not sexy anymore because uh, she's not like a goliath with like a mini skirt and like approximately four foot of legs. Also, um, like
0: she had a really like deep cut, like yeah. Top and I was like, she is.
1: Yeah, and people were like, this 15 year old character is not heavily so. Oh no, and it wasn't even like, oh, she looks like a boy. She did not look. It's not a masculine look either. It's no. like very much. Like, she still has. She just has shorts on underneath the skirt to make it more practical to, like, you know, kick things and what have you. Mm-hmm. Like, it just looks like armor that's more practical and yeah, uh, better fitted. She in. looks like
0: a soldier. Because she is a soldier.
1: Yeah, she looks a little buff, because she's been training to be a soldier her whole life. Fucking ace, dude. (laughs) Fucking, yeah, and he was like, oh, she's not super skinny or whatever, and I was like, no, she looks like she has a body and requires nutrients and shit, like, whoa. Um, Yeah, so it's, like, good for diversity in terms of, like, body types, and in terms of it's fallen into what I think I'm calling the gay dad phenomenon of like a bunch of uh, recent kids cartoon shows had a bunch of specifically gay dads just showing up and raising kids and being background characters, um, which I love because I think, I don't know, like the the historical stereotype that's like really harmful of like gay men being pedophiles being refuted by like, no, these people can in fact raise loving and stable families and mm-hmm. raise loving and stable children. Uh, and having that be, like, a thing that kids know and recognize and see early on is very, very good. Um, wish we were happening with more lesbian moms, but it's not a zero-sum game. We can have all the gay dads and all the gay moms, and it'll all be good. Woo! And all the non-binary parents, too. I haven't seen a lot of those, but yes. Um <laughs> Shira also does have one character who uses they-them pronouns. Uh, their name is Double Trouble, and they're a shapeshifter. And I love their outfit so goddamn much. It's such a good outfit, and I love it. And they're kind of, like, an anti-hero, and they're very sarcastic and very funny. Um, and yeah, I was just like, "Oh, this is good. This is some good shit. This is some good shit right here. Tasty. Um, Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're like a little shapeshifter alien with a really Mm. kick-out... I don't even know how to describe what their outfit is, because I'm not totally sure what the word for it is, but it's really cool. Um... And yeah, uh, so yeah, they have that, and they also, I mean, I guess kind of big spoilers, but, uh, basically, like, the whole fandom, the second they were like, oh, Catra and Adora are, like, kind of rivals, but they're also used to be really close friends. (laughs) Gay? Gay, and I like it. Friends Uh,
0: to enemies to lovers. It's the classic fanfic trope that happens.
1: Uh, yeah. Friends to enemies to lovers, question mark, question mark, question mark, and we went two seasons and they were like, Yes, absolutely, <coughs> exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Uh and they confirmed it in basically the most explicit way they possibly could, because they smooch. They smooch and they confess their love for each other at the end of the show, it's great. Woo! Um, like there is no way to deny it or paint it as something else. It is like I am romantically in love with you. <coughs> Let's be girlfriends. <laughs> and it's so good. That's just, I mean, that's how you gotta communicate sometimes,
0: you know? Yeah. It's very good. Um,
1: also one of the characters, oh god, no, why am I blanking, Entrapta, that's her name. Um, she is, like, one of the princesses, I think, the princesses tend to have, uh, like, stones, basically, that, like, correspond to their power. I don't think Entrapta has one of those, she just has a shit ton of robots that she makes. Um, Mm -hmm. but she is, uh, I think kind of painted as a neurodiverse person, she, uh, like, has a lot of the same behaviors as someone on the autism spectrum, um, and she's, you know, painted in a really, like, humanizing way, it's not like, because I think typically when people are like, oh, robot person who, like, Mm -hmm. is autistic is, like, you know, typically not a great trope, but this one I think really subverts that of, like, you know, her both learning kind of, like, you know, social cues and, like, how to interact with people and also people learning how to accept her and how to understand her better as well mm-hmm. Um, and how to interact with her in a humane way. Because um, she just, like, she does stuff and she makes mistakes because she genuinely does not know, like, you know, oh, that wasn't the cue that was going on in this situation. Like, she, yeah, she ends up having some really great arcs and she ends up kind of unlocking the humanity in other characters as well. Um mm-hmm. So it was really nice kind of... uh straying from those expectations of like oh this character is gonna be like awkward and clumsy and that's just gonna be like the laughing like you know it's gonna be like this laughing matter it's like no she can like make friends and like this can be a strength of hers and it's okay that she is like this because it just takes a little a little more effort to understand but that's okay um which is great um and yeah it's a good show and i like it
0: that's always good to Mm -hmm. like shows yes um this is not a kid's cartoon but it is an animated cartoon mm-hmm. uh, and it's something that i think pretty much the only people the only person other person i know who like watches it watches it is april um but it's rick and morty uh mm-hmm. which is a show that i watched all of i think pirating it on my freshman year computer when i was supposed to be doing my biology homework is how i watched rick and morty um so that's that's some true facts uh, but yeah, I watched it, I, yeah, you know, sometimes you admit to doing things that aren't super legal, um, but yeah, I watched it kind of that, like, f- spring semester of my f- freshman year, um, over the course of, like, two weeks, uh, and it's, it's a show that, like, is very dark, um, I mean, obviously, okay, it's an adult swim show, so, like, take, take that as you will, take that with a grain of salt, um, but it's, it's a very it's a good show, it's a very smart show, um, and, you know, it just, it's gets as weird as it can and as dark as it can, um, but I enjoy it quite a lot, and it's, I think it's a show that, like, while it can be very, like, gross and kind there's a lot of gore, and it strays into a territory where it, like, gets to things that are, like, uncomfortable, um... It manages to retain, like, a lot of humanity in these characters that you would think of as, like, not especially human. Not, like, not human in the sense of, like, other worldly creatures, but, like, not human in that, like, you know, the scientist who drags his grandson on crazy adventures and doesn't seem to, and is, like, a very callous person, you wouldn't think of him as someone who can be, like, easily humanized. But, like, there's no way that you go through that show and you don't regard Rick as at least a complicated character and someone who is, like, deeply hurting and has, like, had very fucked up things happen to him. Um, And the show is, like, very careful to put in these, like, reminders that, like, these are people that even though you might... Not think of them as particularly sympathetic. At the end of the day, like, they are struggling with the things that they're going through. And they're complicated people who've been shaped by, like, the terrible things that have happened to them. Um, And I think that that's done really well in a way that you, like, you can't walk away from the show hating any of the protagonists. Regardless of, like, your personal opinions of them. Because they're all such, like, complicated characters. Um, Which I think is very good. I think that there's, like, kind of, with a lot of adult animation, you get a lot of, like, really unsympathetic characters who you're just like, yeah, I don't particularly like them. Um, And Rick and Morty, not to say that every character is, like, fully sympathetic, but there is, like, enough complicatedness in every character that you have to at least, like, regard them as a fully fleshed-out human being as opposed to, like, the one-dimensionality a lot of adult TV shows lend to their characters, Mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. I will also say the fact that they managed to get mcdonald's to make a sauce that didn't exist chose the power of that show and the people who watch it because holy shit
1: holy shit yeah i will say i only know the show by proxy to its fandom and so i may not be like the best arbiter of what that show's about but yeah no
0: <laughs> yeah no the fandom is fucked and i can say that but the show mm-hmm. itself is pretty good
1: okay good um We've kind of spent the whole a whole episode talking about Avatar The Last Airbender, so I feel like we've kind of gotten out what we need to say about that.
0: Um, a little bit.
1: <laughs> a little bit. Um, uh, speaking of shows that whose fandoms maybe overshadowed them more than they deserved, I did watch My Little Pony, and I thought it was a good show because I was in fifth grade and like a ten-year-old mm-hmm. girl, and I was like, hell yeah, fucking go for it, dude. Um, I didn't watch it religiously, uh, but so, like, fifth grade... I was in co-op, which is, again, the box where you put uh, homeschool children, and they are like, here's kind of a simulation of, like, half a school? Go socialize. Um, in the back of the homeschool supply store. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a thing that exists. It's a is thing the that exists. School homeschool
0: supply store? Where the fuck do you think homeschool parents get the curriculums for their children? The internet? It was like, okay yeah,
1: that, but also, like, you know, various, like, toys and educational, like, materials and stuff. Um, Yeah, so it was, like, I think we did get some stuff from the internet, but it was also a lot of just, like, going out and physically getting workbooks is not that hard. Um, True. Or was not that hard in the before times. Um, Ah, the pre-COVID era. (laughs) Yes. Um, But yeah, so that was, that was kind of most of what when I got introduced to that show, kind of like that fifth grade era where like Adventure Time was also getting really popular and all this stuff, um, and so like a bunch of uh, my my homeschool friends did in fact watch My Little Pony fairly regularly. It was a bunch of socially awkward children with very intense interests, uh, mm-hmm. as tends to be the case with uh, homeschooled kids. Um, and so, I uh, for whatever it's worth, if any of you know what this means, uh, basically. They were like, "Oh, what characters are we most like from from this show?" Uh, and I got pegged as Princess Cadence. So make of that what you will. Um Wh- Whom? Whom? T- 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 Princess Cadence is she's not okay.
0: They so named a, they, is- na- they named a horse Cadence. Yeah, <laughs> they fo- they fully did that, huh? <laughs> yep. <laughs> um. Yeah. I say that like I know I know three things about horses. I've ridden one like twice and that's kind of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh so they named her cadence. Uh I don't think I fully knew what the word meant until like someone I had to like I think I had to read the Pledge of Allegiance for a, like a Boy Scout camp thing. I don't know. Um and someone complimented me on like good cadence and I was like, What the fuck is that? And they're like you're speaking rhythm and I was like, Oh, okay. So there's that. Um Yeah. If you are genuinely curious about the character from what little I remember, (laughs) um, oh god, okay, so there's, like, the Kingdom of Equestria, again, this is- uh, My Little Pony started, I think, in the 80s when, like, uh, Nixon- Nixon or Reagan deregulated a bunch of shit and was basically like, yeah, kids- Kids stuff can basically be commercials for things, it's fine. And that's where we get all of our basically, like, beloved 80s toy, fran- toy slash cartoon franchises from. Because uh, there were mm-hmm. regulations that were like, we can't advertise too much in kids' TV, that's not a thing. And then Reagan was like, fuck that. Um, and that's how we got Transformers. <laughs> and Woo! Care Bears and My Little Pony and all this stuff. Woo! So the naming conventions of these shows... Was not fabulous because they were Fair. just there to sell toys, right? That's also what's up with He Man and like all those shows. Mm-hmm. Um. So in the kingdom of, of Equestria, right, yeah. the horse place, <laughs> the Horseland, Kingdom of Horseland, <laughs> Kingdom of Horseland. Uh, there's there isn't a king or a queen. I don't think. Mm. Which, but there are princesses because that's what little girls like, and this is a show that is designed for little girls. Yes. Uh. So uh-huh. it is ruled by. Right. Uh Princess Celestia who is a thing I think all alicorns, which are basically like the Pegasus unicorn hybrid, um uh-huh. are royalty. I think that's the implication. Uh yeah. so she's Princess Celestia is the one that's like in charge of everything. She's the grand ruler, she's the one who sends Twilight Sparkle out to do all her stuff, because Twilight Sparkle's a nerd that's <coughs> uh basically sent out to the small town where she has all her adventures to go like study things, I think um Mm -hmm. and that's like why she's there and so she has to learn about making friends and socializing um so that's princess celestia and then princess celestia i think the whole point of like one of the big arcs um is that she has a a twin or a, a little sister named princess luna and it's like ah she's evil and then they go and they defeat her with the power of friendship and then she's fixed and so she's like a normal person uh who's also chill so they may they fix Princess Luna, and then I don't know how the fuck Princess Cadence fits fits into this picture because I don't think she's related to <laughs> Celestia or Luna. Just another I, Alicorn. She's just another Alicorn somewhere. Um, and I think her whole thing is the reason that the changeling thing that we showed you pops up because she's uh-huh. engaged to this dude, um, and they're gonna get married, and there's gonna be a royal yep. wedding and that's a whole thing. Then the queen of the changelings is like, mm, I want that man for myself. And so she changes herself into Princess Cadence and uh-huh. like, does, does a swap.
0: Uh, right. And then yeah, that over. makes sense.
1: Yeah. And tries to like crash the wedding, and then the like main ponies have to stop her, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, mm-hmm. I, mean, I think that's the thing. And then there's also this character called Discord who gets involved, who does exactly what you think he is. He's like a griffin, chimera bullshit type thing of just all the animals. Yeah, I think he was in that clip that you showed us.
0: Mm, he hugged one of them.
1: Maybe. Maybe. It's possible. I think he ended up being Fluttershy's friend. Perhaps.
0: Um, right. Yeah, sure. Fluttershy I mean, I can't sh- dispute with you on this. Fluttershy
1: is basically the tiny little nature lover who's very quiet and shy, and she likes butterflies, and that's her thing. Um, She whispers all her lines. She's very cute. Um... But yeah, I can't. Got I think that was mainly the reason for Princess Cadence being around. She was kind of just there to be saved. Um but I I don't know. I think she was just like a generally popular princess. I'm forgetting fucking what the hell she did. Um <laughs> but yeah, she's a princess and she did she's stuff and I think she's watch. just generally nice in the way that the monarchy in that series generally is.
0: Uh, you know? It just happens that way. Woo! Woo! I mean, yeah. No, I um I watched a lot of like I don't really remember watching like anything specifically. Um but I watched a lot of just like the Disney XD animated shows mm-hmm. that existed. Uh cuz you know, Disney had like the the girl shows and then Disney XD's had the boy shows and that was not like on brand marketing but that was definitely like what that implied. Yeah, for um, sure. And, like, young me fucking railing against femininity and what should have been clear, like, yeah, this is a thing of, like, I don't want to be a girl, but it was, like, my brain was just like, nah, just fucking dudes. They're cool. Um. (laughs) I would like to be more like one, maybe, yes. Um, you know, the things that happen. (laughs) Uh, But I watched a lot of Disney XD, and I remember, like, this is a little after my time, but I remember Wander Over Yonder, um it's was like a oh, yeah. thing that happened and i was like what is this show space cowboy it's a space western space it's kind Cow- of your genre yeah i mean i just i think that it was like i felt this deep affinity for wander over yonder that i could not figure out but it's because it's a space western and it's just a little orange man in a cowboy hat with a banjo and i was like you know you're a funky dude and i like you <laughs> Sometimes all you need in your life is a little orange man in a cowboy hat and a banjo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not disagreeing. And apparently that's what I needed in my life because I really enjoyed the few episodes of Wander Over Yonder that I saw. Also, he's another one of those protagonists who, like, defeats the villain not by, like, fighting with the villain, but just kind of by, like, dosy-doing around the villain's plans. Um, Which I find to be very funny as, like, a trope of just, like,. Competent or incompetent villain who thinks he's competent and then like accidentally competent hero um (laughs) just constantly in conflict is a very fun little dynamic that a lot of cartoons use
1: Mm, absolutely i love it
0: um yeah i'm trying to think there was another
1: there was another show i think um oh yeah there was this really random discovery kids show called i think tuttenstein and king tut Mm. But he's a kid who got mummified, mm-hmm. and then this girl Cleo, and also her cat, I think, um, wake him up with the power of an ankh and so he's this little mummy boy that's like part that is very much undead, uh, and has a, a little a, a weird European accent for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they learn about ancient Egypt together, and we still have the DVDs for that show. Let me look up just Wild. to make sure and- Getting it right. Let me see. Let's let's find... Oh, it is a thing, and I can find it. Okay. This is wild. What? Okay. It features young mummy Tutankensetamun, based on real-life Tutankhamun, and usually called Tutankhamun, as in the title, who has awakened about 3,000 years after his accidental death and now must face the fact that his kingdom is gone. Uh, the name is a portmanteau of Tutankhamun and Frankenstein. Um... Oh, it's officially free for streaming on YouTube since August of this year. Um, Woo! Yeah, so. Do 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 do. Uh, the 21st century, 12 year old Cleo Carter. Wow, that's an Egyptology joke that I definitely didn't get. Accidentally witnesses his awakening after a bolt of lightning hits the mummified body of. Duh, 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 on display. Duh, 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 duh. She's in the museum, and that's a whole thing. Uh, oh, and sets chasing them. Um mm. <laughs> Just kind of throughout the show. Uh, it's great. ABN reported, With regard to the ongoing theme of ancient temples and history found in his animated shows, Tuttenstein and The Secret Saturdays, Jay Stevens quips, I'm a nerd. I like reading about history and mythology. And the past is full of t- surprises. That's good. So yeah, so that's mm. also the dude who Game Up with Secret Saturdays, so that probably explains a lot. Um... But yeah, so... This t- died when he was ten, so there's just an undead ten year old with a really weird accent, tumbling around at this museum with this twelve year old girl who's like kind of just trying to stop him from killing himself again. Um, oh, and maybe? they have to like defeat the Egyptian gods who are chasing after them.
0: Ooh, sounds very fun. Yeah, I was going to say we mentioned earlier, uh, but I didn't speak up then. But I have to say, um, so recently I've been thinking a lot about of like why why do I like scenes choreographed to music and specifically fight slash chase scenes choreographed to music? Uh, And it can be traced all the way back to Scooby-Doo. What's new, Scooby-Doo? The animated series. (laughs) Uh, Because every time they had like a monster chase in that, they would put it over a song and it would just be, it wouldn't be like a song that was really relevant to like what was happening Um, or more than superficially relevant. But I think that is why I love uh, like... chase and fight scenes over like pop music so much um is because it was programmed into me by what's new scooby-doo a series that i have seen the first season of probably like 50 times in my life mm. um real <laughs> my grandparents lived out on a farm there was a very limited amount of programming i watched that dvd probably about five times every time i visited them it was a problem. I think that if I watched any of those episodes now, I could probably quote a good deal of them verbatim. Just, like, welling up from the depths of my memory. Um, okay, but it was well, a good right show, after, so I
1: Right after we get together in a person to watch all of Lord of the Rings together, I know exactly what we're doing next <laughs> thing because that would be fucking great. Forget the, like, being able to do, like, addition, <laughs> subtraction, and multiplication, and division, and whatnot with big numbers in your head. Your new party trick is just quoting an entire <laughs> episode of Scooby-Doo.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Have you
1: seen that one episode or that one like video clip of um someone Cho who is just like reciting an entire um Peter Pan scene on mute as it happens, like they're holding the clip of the scene away from him so he can't see what's going on, and he's saying all the lines perfectly in sync with the movements the mouth
0: movements and captions of the people. I think he could do that. <laughs> I'm not that. I don't remember it that well. I feel like I would have to be watching it, but yeah, I remember it. I remember so much of it. Like I can close my eyes and I picture, like, <laughs> okay, close my eyes right now. I'm picturing this is super specific. The scene from the first episode of season one where they're on the snow rise and like the monsters bearing down on them, and, <laughs> and I just like flashes of the show are just appearing in my head now. <laughs> I've unlocked, I've opened the Ark of the Covenant, and my face is getting burned off by not God's holy light, but the holy light of (laughs) Scooby-Doo. Rearing up from the depths of my conscience. Um. You good? (laughs) No. (laughs) I haven't thought about this in weeks. Weeks. Yeah, it come. I will say it, it. It was such a problem that like I will just randomly think about this. Just like I'll be going about my life, and then all of a sudden, just Scooby Doo's in my head, and I'm like, "Fuck me." Okay.
1: Mhm. Uh, did you ever watch any of the other shows that were like n- group of teens solves mysteries and there's a gimmick with it?
0: Maybe. Which one are you thinking of?
1: Josie and the Pussycats. Hmm. Um,
0: yeah. I never saw that. What is it, Josie and the Pussycats? Josie Isn't that and the about Pussy- a rock
1: group. Yeah. Okay, let's let's figure out what's going on with Josie and the Pussycats. Uh, it was a whole thing. It was uh, I just saw um Red Sword's video actually ranking all of the uh Scooby Doo movies, all 44 of them. Uh and so this is kind of the history bit that he went over, so I'm just going to try and Yeah, it's an a- anim- American animated TV series based on the Archie Comics comic book series of the same name. Um and it w- it didn't run super long but there were like again clips between uh boomerang shorts that was like basically Josie and the Pussycats doing the theme song but in like a bunch of different animation and music styles
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so yeah uh do do um so like i probably know the theme song but through a bunch of different uh genres that shouldn't have existed uh together um, but yeah, it was basically just like yeah, we're gonna solve mysteries together and stuff. Um, Ooh, yeah. Let's see. <laughs>
0: have you seen the? Um, speaking of ranking Scooby Doo movies, have you seen the Jell Apocalypse video where he like ranks every villain, every Scooby Doo villain plan? I haven't, but go on. It's just okay. So Jell Apocalypse. Has a lot of great videos because he's the guy who does like the blank in t- reviewing every blank in ten words or less, um, which he didn't do for Scooby Doo, but he went through like every single Scooby Doo movie and he was like, "Here's the plot, here's what the villain was trying to do," uh, and it's very funny, um, because you like you see kind of the breadth of things that like Scooby Doo thought that it could get away with, mm-hmm. um, which includes like you know everything from someone trying to kill everyone on a Martian moon base, which is a thing that happened to Dracula hosts a race car race as a thing that just is true. Um, and that happened a little before the introduction of the Scooby gang, as you now know them. Um, but yeah, it's just, there's, scooby has done, like, a lot of shit. And it's so funny to, like, go back and rewatch it. And watching that video reared up memories of, like, old Scooby-Doo movies that I had not thought about in years. Like, the Kiss movie. There was a Scooby-Doo movie oh, yeah! with Kiss. That was just a thing that we all watched and then didn't discuss, but I remembered it while I was watching it, and I was like, oh yeah, holy shit, that was a thing that happened, and they did have an anime girl transformation sequence, because hell yeah...
1: Okay, accidentally, uh, I did find out what that show I mentioned that I couldn't find the name of. I said Johnny Quest, thinking that I was talking about Johnny Bravo, but the thing that I mentioned that I couldn't find the name of was Johnny Quest, and again, it was one of those things where I was like, I've never seen a fucking episode, but I know what the characters look like because <laughs> of the, t- the little between bits. I don't know what the fuck was up with those things, but I don't know when that stuff was on that I just happened to never see it whenever I tuned in. But yeah, it was a Hanna-Barbera cartoon, uh, and it was... Animated sci-fi adventure series about a boy who accompanies his scientist father on extraordinary adventures. And there's also a kid with a turban for some reason? Mm. I don't know. Let's see. Uh, yeah, Hodge Singh is a streetwise 11-year-old Kolkata orphan who becomes the adopted son of Dr. Quest, as well as Johnny's best friend and adopted brother. Um, Cool. Nice. Um, Yeah, that's that's what that's up with that. And then they also have a dog. Like you do. Of course. Yeah, they have a dog. A lot of these shows had dogs. That was kind of a Hanna-Barbera thing. They all have a pet. One of those series had a shark for a pet, straight up.
0: You know? A mood, though.
1: Yeah. Let me see. Can I find it? What
0: was that the part? one? What was it called? There was the one where it was, like... It was a... I think it was on PBS, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, And it was... It's sal- okay, my brain is just producing the word muskrat, which is not what they were called, but it was the one it was like three people who like their suits could take on the things of different animals and they would just like go out into nature. Uh d- 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 PBS showed zoology. It, yeah, it was like about zoology. Um, mm-hmm. um, um, no, no. Wildcrats. <laughs> That's why <what> ah! I-, <laughs> I thought of muskrat. Oh, uh, wildcrats. I I don't remember seeing that much of it. Um, but it's from the same people who did Zabumafu. Um, I remember Zabumafu. And it was just this, like, anime show about... Yeah. About, just, like, zoology, and it was super cool, and I remember really enjoying it when I was watching it.
1: Yeah, I remember, I was like, ah, oh, the Kratt Brothers fucking sold out, because they were the ones in Zabumafu. Um, I don't think I ever saw that a whole bunch, but yeah, Word, Word Girl was my favorite on PBS, I think. That was the one that mm. I, that was my jam. Um, because her whole thing was vocabulary, and unsurprisingly... That's D-
0: that, that, w- that, that would means. be good for you, yes. Yeah,
1: that was good. That was good. Um, wait, S- Scooby-Doo crossed over with Supernatural? What? That would
0: makes se- it? Wait, wait. Yeah, the C- that w- would make television
1: se- f- series Supernatural crossed over with the Scooby-Doo franchise in the episode Scooby-Natural, which aired March 29th, 2018, the animated... Collaboration featured the three main characters of Supernatural, Sam, Dean, and Castiel, along with Sco- Scooby and the gang as they team up to solve a supernatural mystery. The CW drama- wait.
0: actually, It's available on, the- on Netflix! Wait. <laughs> wait. Is it- I just gotta know, is this, like, under a Scooby show? No- yeah! Supernatural season 13, episode 16, Scooby Natural. Um, It's a full, like, 42-minute show. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, God, Supernatural, huh? Man, Twitter or no Tumblr got angry, and then that filtered onto Twitter, which then filtered onto Instagram. So I guess like,
1: oh my God, I just saw the last line of the Supernatural Wikipedia article. <laughs> uh, the series fandom gave rise to a new subgenre of erotic fanfiction, and then to a subgenre of speculative erotic fanfiction in its own right, the OmegaVerse. Oh, yeah, the ABO started with Supernatural? Well done, Um, (laughs) y'all. Good for you. Whole sociological phenomenon. Damn. Damn. I don't know how... Yeah, yikes. I don't Um, know how we
0: recover from that.
1: (laughs) I don't know how we recover from it either. In October 1999, Cartoon Network made a Scooby-Doo spoof of the Blair Witch Project called the Scooby-Doo Project. What?
0: (laughs) 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 Hold on. Scooby-Doo is like, it's a megalith unto itself at this point Like Yeah, wait, 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 wait. let's see. There used to be a Scooby-Doo ride at, um, Six Flags that I remember Uh-huh So, like, Six Flags in San Antonio, they had a Scooby-Doo ride And then they, like, changed out, now it's Pirate Scene But I remember going on that and being like Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is about right
1: The Filk, the Filk Band, Ookla the Mock, <laughs> opened their 2003 album O-O-K-L-A with the song W-W-S-D parentheses, What Would Scooby-Doo which proposes a deontological system of moral philosophy based on the actions of Scooby-Doo What the fuck? <laughs> what is filk? What is that? <laughs> what the fuck is that? Filk music is a musical culture, genre, and community tied to science fiction, fantasy, and horror fandom, and a type of fan labor. It's been active since the early 50s, and played primarily since the mid-70s. What the fuck? The term filk, originally a typographical error, predates 1955. Got it. Okay. Got it. It's folk music, but with sci-fi and a fantasy theme, but this definition is not exact. So-called filkers have been known to write songs about a variety of topics, including tangentially related topics such as computers and cats. <laughs> In addition, while the majority of filk songs are in the folk style, Other styles such as blues, Calypso, and even rock appear from time to time. what What is the name of a filk artist? Care let me see, let me see uh definite filk is used as a noun referring to the genre this equivalent to filk music or a filk song. It can also be used to refer to a gathering with the primary purpose of singing filk songs. Such a gathering held in someone's home is called a house filk. It's one word. (laughs) A filk of blank refers to a filk song, which is one word, based on another song, using the same tune and often but not necessarily similar structure plot and or lyrics. Um, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Uh, what, 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 what are they called? There are types. There are three types of filk. Bardic chaos and token bardic why etiquette why is there a filk (laughs) etiquette i'm so the etiquette of the filk circle begins with a respect for all music including and perhaps especially amateur music and amateur performers everyone is encouraged to perform regardless of their skill level no one is criticized except to occasionally give tips or suggest wait that's very sweet wait
0: I would like so to say, good. I went down this article, I learned that their primary music award is called the Pegasus Awards, which is dope. Um, the last this. time that they had one is in 2017, but if anyone from the Pegasus Awards is watching this, please, me personally, someone who has only heard of film today, I would very much like that to continue, if at all possible. Uh, thank you. Okay. What a dope thing to just spend your time yeah. on.
1: What are... Okay, but... Okay, so what are... What are... What is a filk artist called? Is it just a filk artist? Is that what's going on? Uh... Filkers. They're called filkers.
0: Nice. Okay. I've... I searched up filk artists. Um... Some names. Leslie Fish, Three Weird Sisters, Tom Smith, who looks like a slightly older Jack Black. Um... Ookla, Ookla the Mock.
1: That's the one I just mentioned about Scooby-Doo.
0: Yes. So they, um, it's a duo, uh, who name themselves after Thundar the Barbarian, good. which is a cartoon. Just drawing back full circle. Um, the Fringe Monks. Good. Good name. Team Unicorn. Uh, Urban Tapestry. There's a lot of, like, people with names also that you can find, but these are some of the fun ones that I searched. But yeah. Dang, dude. Sometimes, you know, subculture. I want to talk about filk for the rest of this
1: episode. Can we do that? <laughs> this is a fascinating subculture, and I just want to read stuff from the Wikipedia article because this sure. is a beautiful thing. Yes. <laughs> okay. Forget. Fuck animated shows. Fuck do, yeah. We're going into filk time, baby. It's filk hours up in here. Okay, let's talk about- This is such a good culture. What the fuck? This is great. Filk music is most commonly performed in a gathering known as a filk circle. Uh, Ooh. Filk circles can be formed in any location where filkers gather. Uh... Although filk music can also be performed in front of an audience, and there are concerts scheduled at filk conventions and science fiction conventions worldwide, filk circles are a more common occurrence. The purpose of a filk circle is for musicians to share songs with other musicians, so performing and listening are given equal emphasis. In a filk circle, there is no stage, there is no audience. Those who participate in a filk circle may choose to perform, to listen, or both. Performers may know only one song, or may know an extensive library of songs. Participants are usually encouraged to join in and sing along or play along on their instruments. Um, They can be completely informal and spontaneous, forming organically in hotel hallways and lobbies. Uh, Filk-specific conventions will typically have multiple filk circles happening simultaneously in different rooms, with some circles focused on a single style or topic. Local parties called house filks, again, one word, are day-long events in which a single filk circle performs in the host's home. So they they all get up on a chair, or they all Mm. get chairs kind of around in a circle, or mm-hmm. they may not even have chairs. Uh, the purpose of the circular formation is both symbolic and functional. By having everyone face each other, it honors all participants equals, it emphasizes both <laughs> listening and performing, and it makes each participant visible to every other participant. Why are you saying there's a citation needed for that, Wikipedia? That's fucking beautiful. <laughs> That's the citation. Oh, my Fuck God. Fuck citations.
0: Only feelings.
1: Oh, my God. A circle that is too large for the number of participants tends to feel uncomfortably empty, but a circle that is too small must enlarge as the number of participants grows. The disruption that results from attempting to enlarge a filled circle in progress can break up the flow of the songs and change the mood, so enlarging the circle is often avoided in favor of adding extra layers or concentric circles outside the inner circle, space permitting. They start in the evening and continue very late into the night. Uh, They've been known to continue all night or at least into the early morning hours, those organizing formal filk circles at conventions usually make arrangements with the hotel to have space available for the entire night. There are many exceptions to this. It is not uncommon to find a house filk scheduled to start in the early afternoon and end in the early evening, for example, to allow participants time to get home to sleep. Um, It's so good. Consider it. Most performers who bring instruments such as guitars are usually happy to loan their instruments to someone who comes to the circle without one. Um, so good. Uh, songs are prevented very informally They can be given with spoken introductions and explanations Or they can simply be played and allowed to speak for themselves Songs can be chosen to fit the current mood or theme Or they may be chosen to deliberately change the mood Ooh, damn um, Songs can be accompanied by instruments Or performed a Uh Songs can be performed by individuals, duos, groups Or groups hastily assembled from other participants <laughs> um, They can even be spoken word pieces Such as poetry and stories This is so good! Um, an active and well-attended filk circle at its peak will usually be a somewhat continuous stream of songs with only a small amount of conversation between songs. Filk circles that are just getting started or winding down may have more talking and socializing than music. That's so fucking good. Mm. It's so fucking good. I fucking love this. So that's in the circle types because it got Bardic, Chaos, and Token Bardic.
0: What the fuck? What the (laughs) fuck? Those are good! That sounds like magic schools. What the fuck? Yeah, that sounds like some D and D stuff, right? That's some D&D right there. Stuff. Uh,
1: in a bardic circle, each person in the circle goes in turn. Oh, each participant is given the choice of pick, pass, or play. Pick means they can request a specific song, performer, a general topic or style, or any other similar similar request from an individual or from the circle in general. Pass means they skip their turn and it goes to the next person. Play means they can perform any song they choose. Uh, It has a clear structure which enforces politeness and ensures everyone in the circle gets their turn so that even shy people can have a chance to request or perform. Um, That's so good. Um, There is less spontaneity in a bardic circle than in a chaos circle, and the chance of being able to play a good follower song is reduced. In a chaos circle, there is no sequential organization. Any performer can simply begin playing a song after the prior song is finished, or any participant can shout out a request. Uh, care must be taken to prevent two songs from starting at the same time frequently the word mm-hmm. follower is shouted in a chaos circle Meaning that a performer believes they have a perfect song to follow the prior song and they want to play it now Um Ooh. Runs of songs will frequently get started. It takes concentration and effort to be polite and respectful in a chaos circle. It is easy to accidentally interrupt another performer who's trying to start up a song of their own, especially in a very large circle where one might not be able to easily hear the other performer on the opposite side of the room. Chaos Mm -hmm. circles thus have a reputation of favoring bold, loud performers who can attend command attention. One countermeasure for such conflicts is for someone generally not one of the current slash starting up performers to shout, "Filker up! Possibly pointing to the one being interrupted. This alerts the room, and specifically that parentheses usually unintentional, close parentheses interrupter, to be quiet and pay attention to the... Per- fil- Imagine if teachers did that. They'd like, filter up! up! <laughs> 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 and just point to the person who got interrupted. they point to themselves. Yeah. <laughs> just run. <laughs> it's me. Eli's themselves with a knife. Um, yes.
0: Well, it's a sheathed knife, so. Okay. It's a little bit safer. That's good. A token
1: bardic circle, known as a... Po- Poker chip bardic circle, that's good, attempts to combine the enforced politeness of a bardic circle with the free-form nature of the chaos circle. A container full of some type of token, such as poker chips, is supplied, and each person is given a fixed number of tokens when they enter a room, usually two, and can throw a token into the center of the circle at any time to claim a pick or play turn. When all the active tokens in the circle are used up, they're scooped up and redistributed for the next round. That's so good. Aww. Um, the etiquette. The etiquette of the folk circle begins with a respect... Oh yeah, I just read this, but, like, th- they they respect amateur music and performers, and everyone's encouraged Aww. to reform, and no one gets criticized. And it's just... This...
0: Damn. Oh, this genre! What the fuck? Dang. Yo. Th- for real, though. Anyone... If anyone ever comes across this podcast and is, like, knows about folk circles, or, like, runs one, hit us up, man! We, we want to see what's up! We're very yeah. excited! We would very much like to be involved in anything. Uh as as new people who know nothing, yeah. but like damn, seems super cool. If filk circles are still happening in the coronavirus time, that's dope. Mm-hmm. I was about to like rip off Rhett and Link, but like seriously, tweet us, email us, we'd love to hear more about this this wonderful thing that we found accidentally on yeah. a Wednesday. At a deep level, the folk culture
1: of filk validates creative arts in the midst of an explicitly technological culture. That's so good. Um. Uh, the eclectic content of filk frequently contains that assertion of human creativity, especially in connection with technology. While there are significant numbers of uh, memorial songs, pessimistic songs that blame carelessness, incompetence, and corruption, only rarely considering the frailties of a society, built on technology or hopes for the future. Because these themes cross international boundaries, they are not explainable as pure... Oh, that's like ethnomusicology. Hold up. Mm. That's too complicated for me to read. Um, Carelessly off a Wikipedia article. Um, um, Phil culture encourages respectful listening regardless of the performer's skill level and manifest opportunities for participation from single songs in a musical circle to scheduled concerts. Um, that openness to participation is a marked norm in Filking, which makes it unusual in a larger society that glorifies competition and superstardom in performance arts. Um,
0: so good.
1: Um, ah, ah, that's so very good. Um, yeah, I also agree about we need, we need the Pegasus Awards to come back and I'm going to watch them if Mm -hmm. they ever do, because it's very good. Filk. Filk! I love it! <laughs> what the
0: hell? This is such a good genre! You <laughs> just wander culture. into a subculture like you're just living your life and suddenly you're like damn, I guess I, I'm very interested in the subculture.
1: <laughs> I'm very interested in the subculture. What the hell? Oh my god. That's just so fucking good. And it looks like, yeah. That's, okay. We need to go to a sci-fi convention and find one of these. Mm -hmm. This is the thing we need to do. We need to fucking... I'm (laughs) filking once in my life.
0: (laughs) Okay, so sci-fi convention? Cool. I'll figure that out in the post-Rona time when sci-fi conventions exist again. Absolutely. Um, you know, I bet the. uh, I don't know. There's probably something similar to filk at, like, Renfair. Um... Or... No, it probably doesn't exist, but, like, damn... Maybe maybe next year I will drag you to the Celtic Music Festival and Highland Games, which is like its whole own thing. But that's where I bought my knife, and okay. like I've ever since I discovered it, I'm like, dang, I really want to drag someone along with me so we can watch people lift giant fucking tree limbs and throw them. The Celts go hard, dude.
1: Let's see. I'm, I looked up Filkin Community, Houston, but it doesn't look like that's a thing. Uh, or I can't see it with my current search engine, which is... Well, let's... Alright, DuckDuckGo. I'm sorry, we gotta to go to Google for this, I think. <laughs> DuckDuckGo is great, but sometimes it's also a little bit shitty. Um... Mm-hmm. Filking... Commu- Filking... Community... Houston. Please? No. Filking, not filming. Uh, Houston and or Texas science fiction organizations. Uh... Apollo Con Weekend? That's from, like... Houston Con? What the fuck? What was this? Oh, that was 1967 to 1982. Never mind! Um, Houston Con was a series of conventions. Its primary historical focus was comic books, gaining Star Trek, the original series content later, with the last con, almost all Trek. This It is this last con that most fans remembered. It is built. It billed as Ultimate Fantasy, later, the Con of Wrath. Nice. Good joke. Uh, oh god. No, not that. Not that. ApolloCon from 2011. LARPers, Filkers, and Fenn are uniting for a weekend of fandom and networking at ApolloCon, Houston's only all-encompassing science fiction, fantasy, and horror conference. The three-day convention will feature a full schedule of LARP and Filk. Oh, they- They defined Filk as computer and cat-themed music, which is literally the two topics that Wikipedia said is, like, unusual, as well as a judged masquerade- art and art show for sci fi fen, the plural of fan, and quote fan speak. What? Cool That doesn't seem right. I've never heard someone I've never heard the plural of fans be referred to as fen. What the shit? Um Texas Revenant Rangers is a steampunk group. Um Phantom Association of Central Texas Uh Lone Star Jedi I'm just looking at stuff. Uh, Space City Time Lords. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Houston Brown Coast for Firefly. Uh, Star Trek. Starship USS Zavala. <sighs> um, Star Wars. Houston Star Wars Fan Force. Houston Star Wars is Space City Sabers. Territories of Houston Steampunk. Uh, The Inklings Round Table of Houston is for Tolkien. Hell yes! Going to see if that's still a thing. Is it? Is, Is it? it? Is it? Hello. Hello, oh internet. Hello. Okay. What's the most recent post? What's the most recent post? Do do do. Middle Earth blog. Yes. Gimme. Yes. November twenty third, twenty twenty. It's still an active. It's still an active site. It can still be a thing. Woo! Okay. I'm just looking like. I will say,
0: perhaps before we get too far down the research rabbit hole, we should call the episode and then resume this. Because. Okay. I do not. Yes. I'm
1: like- Yeah. ApolloCon, what the fuck is this? How is this not. How have I not heard of it?
0: It's stopped. I searched it up. They were like, we. they've been acquired by someone and they no longer exist. Damn. But while Care reads through that page herself, I will say. A big thanks to Sauce Noise on the Free Music Archive for the use of their song, pal Defense Ending, for our intro and outro. Uh, potential sponsors, Blue Apron, HelloFresh, Casper Mattresses... Uh, uh, f- other people who want to give us money. And, um, filk musicians, filk industry people. Filc- um,
1: filkers, if you got songs you want us to play... And sample yeah. to, like, show off and get your music out there. We'll totally do that. We'll shout you out and feature your songs and stuff. And that can be a thing that you, that you can do if you want to email us.
0: Yes. Um, small businesses, large businesses, anyone who wants a small cadre of, um, it's probably wrong use the word cadre, small group of teenagers who listen to a podcast hosted by these two nerds, um, sent towards your business, uh, email us at com uh, and, and we'll work something out, because we, we want to support, we want to support people, um, especially, uh, folk musicians of all shapes and sizes, uh, listeners, tell your friends, your... Uh, friends turned enemies turned lovers. Your little brothers who create things in the backyard. Your evil scientists. Your nemesi who are platypuses and pandas. Um, your various and sundry cryptids. Uh, <laughs> your representation in all levels of the industry. Tell everyone you know about us and if you have fun stuff that you're like, dang, I would really like those nerds to see so they can get excited about it as they got about film music, Uh, email that to us at haynerpodcast at gmail.com. That's our email. Um, that's haynerpodcast at gmail.com or if you want to put it out in the vast form of the internet, you can tweet us at our Twitter at Hayner podcast, just like our email. It's Everywhere we go, the it's the name of the show, and then what it is, what the show is. Yeah. Um, and you can check back in two Wednesdays wherever your podcasts are found for our next episode. Um, I, that's my loading sound. Oh yes, uh, our very nice episode as we return to a, a hallmark of this channel. Um, for something that is, uh, I don't, I can't form a good clue, but let's say um, we're taking, we're taking a walk down the collective memory of a community to which we both belong for an episode, uh, next week, two weeks, next two weeks, yes. um, yes, next next week, as some next ways. next week, yes, yes. very Hobbit way of putting it, yes, <laughs> yes, all right. All right. Um I think so, that's yeah, that's all the things
1: that. that's awesome all right all
0: right you ready yes
1: all right three three two, two one, one. Bye,
0: nerd. By nerd well well it it exists it exists now, and this is off.